Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio and on demand on your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Or shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772 2450750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, another day, another Black Lives Matter riot, this time in Kenosha, Wisconsin, about 40 miles south of Milwaukee, where, of course, the Democrats held their, their Black Lives Matter race riot convention last week. This is, uh, this latest event, uh, was because, uh, of a fellow named Jacob Blake, a man with a long criminal history of resisting arrest and carrying concealed weapons and, uh, and fighting with police officers. I'm sure they, uh, they knew who they were dealing with. When they reported to a call of domestic disturbance, they attempted to take um, this man, Jacob Blake, into custody. He uh, refused to cooperate, uh, was acting very erratically. Um, Officers had their guns out because he had a history of carrying concealed weapons illegally. He refused to be taken into custody, fought with the officers, opened his car door and was reaching inside when one of the officers, as he was trained to do, did not wait until he was uh, shot himself and uh, and shot Jacob Blake. He is alive at this point in serious condition, which is uh, pretty amazing considering he was shot uh, seven times at short uh, at close range. Uh, but of course, uh, the the rioters did not wait to hear the details of the incident and whether or not there was actually a gun inside the car that Jacob Blake was going for, uh, they started rioting in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, almost immediately encouraged by the way, uh, from the governor of Wisconsin who uh, made some very incendiary, uh, posts on Twitter. Um, you know, very, very uh, similar to the, the governor in Milwaukee that, uh, that threw gas on the flames, there as well. So this was a, another race riot. Um, it, it set up inside Kenosha, it started uh, torching small businesses. A car dealership uh, had its lot uh, set ablaze. 
with a huge fire. They were uh, they were burning city vehicles, including uh, police cars and fire trucks. Broke out uh, the window in the courthouse, attempted to start a fire there, wrecked the local library. And, of course, as always happens in these incidences, it quickly, quickly devolved into looting, which is the real point of the matter. You know, this is a template now. Uh, they have set up these, uh, these uh, Black Lives Matter agitators have set up a template for anywhere a police officer uh, has to defend himself especially when the, uh, uh, the police officer is white, but not necessarily so. And if you go on social media, you'll see that uh, they're putting out um, instructions on how to properly riot. There's an image there that shows proper uh, Black Lives Matter uh, attire. It includes, you know, all black um, uh, outfits with black running shoes so that uh, people can't be identified from videotape tells them how to, you know, resist, uh, tear gas and, and, um, and pepper spray shows them having burner phones, encrypted burner phones so that they can communicate and coordinate their actions with other, uh, of the rioters. And, um, and they're just like in, uh, these other cities, um, um, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Oakland, a, uh, a freedom fund has been set up to minimize, uh, the chances that these rioters will have, you know, to answer for it, uh, in, in court. They start out by, uh, mischaracterizing the event. We are saddened and angered to hear of the police once again, shooting a young black man, especially a young father who is reported to have stopped a fight from escalating before being gunned down, ignoring entirely the fact that he was resisting arrest and putting the police officers lives in danger. The Milwaukee freedom fund wants to extend our support to the protesters in Kenosha. Our request form is here. We help with bail and tickets and connecting protesters to lawyers, it says. Info for protesters. Make sure that so, there is someone outside of protesting that knows your legal name and birthday so we can look it up if we need to. If you are arrested, do not talk about what happened while in jail unless you are talking to your lawyer. Phones of visiting rooms are recorded. So don't, don't um, incriminate yourself. You have the right to remain silent and ask for a lawyer. Most arrested protesters are ticketed and released with that process can take some hours. If someone is detained, their bail is set and charges are read. Usually the first time they see a judge in Milwaukee, that's been a few days. Once bail is set, we can help pay it. If you're given a ticket for protesting, rioting, we can help pay that too. If you need a lawyer, we can do our best to set you up with one. So this is an organized um, operation. It is a insurgency, insurrection campaign. This guy, uh, Jacob Blake, 24 years old. He'd been previously charged with a felony of resisting arrest and injuring an officer carrying a concealed weapon, carrying a firearm while intoxicated, endangering the safety, uh, 
use of a weapon and disorderly uh, conduct. He also had very many other um, arrests for domestic violence and certain other things. So, uh, you know, even in the small to medium-sized towns now, we're seeing the Black Lives Matter breakout, uh, riots breakout. I've got a clip here of uh, an incident that happened last week in a, a little suburb of Minneapolis called Hugo, Minnesota, when Black Lives Matter showed up in big numbers, um, threatening the neighborhood because the head of the Minneapolis police union lived there. And here's what it sounded like. Laughing at our pain. It's traumatizing to come out here and have to fucking say our relatives' names be here with us no more. So fuck you for laughing because this shit ain't no fucking joke. And that little brown girl that was over there, it's only a matter of time until you guys fuck her up too. Little girl over there, it's only a matter of time before y'all fuck her up too. Y'all laughing like we want to burn this city down, motherfucker. That house down there, this house can look like that. Let one more black man or brown man be killed. We're coming. And don't forget all these bougie-ass fucking houses are built on native fucking land. That, no, listen, that you guys need to fucking pay rent for. Because this is stolen fucking land. Pay the fuck up. This is where we're at. The Democrats at their convention last week couldn't muster a single negative word about these riots that are going on across our nation. They're, they're busy trying to deflect and, you know, gin up a, a new conspiracy hoax so that they can change the subject. When their mailbox hoax uh, collapsed over the weekend, when the Senate and the House held hearings and found out that there was nothing to it immediately, they moved right on to the QAnon conspiracy theory. I believe all of this is going to have a major effect on voters in this country. I think we're going to have a major realignment as people come to the realization of just how radical the Democrat party has become. You know, it wasn't just that they didn't uh, condemn the violence and rioting, rioting going on in this nation. They, uh, they made BLM the centerpiece of their convention. Not a single word was uttered. You know, here, here is a, a supercut of what last week's Democrat convention sounded like um, and its new radical nature. Welcome to the 2020 Democratic National Convention. We're talking about abolishing the police. We're talking about abolishing ICE. We're talking about abolishing prisons. This future that we all want, that we're all trying to build, um, really is about the destruction of capitalism. Many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. America, if you don't get your act together, you can, you may well go to hell. Why can't folks imagine a world without the cops? Why can't folks imagine a world um, without prisons? I've never felt American. I don't know the Pledge of Allegiance. Those are not my systems. You may rise or kneel if you are able for your preference. Into the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all 
But it is absolutely our party in this moment. Joe Biden is not a man that can resist this even if he wanted to. He doesn't have the energy, stamina, or coherence at this point to stand up against the radical elements inside the Democrat Party. When he gave his his acceptance speech on Thursday evening, he said he wanted to restore America's humanity. If you wanted to restore America's humanity, wouldn't you have had just at least one line in there asking these, these rioters in Democrat cities across this country to stop assaulting people, diluting businesses, and burning um, Amer- uh, the cities, uh, uh, businesses, police precincts, and courthouses? And of course, you know, Joe Biden said in that speech, he has, is basing his presidential campaign. The reason he ran, the rationale behind it, is this very fine people hoax that has been thoroughly and repeatedly debunked. And of course, you had these, uh, these Republican uh, swamp creatures all of them lining up to endorse Joe Biden because Donald Trump is upsetting the status quo in Washington, D.C. And if you read that list of GOP luminaries that lined up behind Joe Biden, it it, really amazing. Colin Powell, John Kasich, a whole murderer's row of GOP establishment failures that are responsible for a, a disastrous economic and foreign policy in this country uh, for our nation facilitated the rise of China as a uh, geopolitical foe to America wasted our resources on endless and futile worthless wars in the Middle East and now they come back out and say that they want to defeat Donald Trump. Well, I could see why this president has presided over a huge uh, transfer of wealth back from these, uh, these countries that stole American jobs back into this country has kept us out of any additional useless wars and is trying to end the ones that he inherited. We're going to take a real quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Mojo. Well, the Democrats are taken out on their newest and latest hoax, this, uh, this mailbox hoax. And they have called the new postmaster general uh, to hearings. The Democrats held their their um, their vote on Saturday, and now they're going to have hearings on Monday, which is kind of 
stupid. Why, why would you even hold hearings if you've already ha- ha- taken a vote on it? But uh, finally, the Republicans running the Senate uh, did something that made sense. They called the new postmaster, DeJoy, uh, to hearings on Friday in the Senate. And this is what it sounded like as Senator Ron Johnson of the Department of Homeland Security Committee opened those hearings. According to Democrats, the postmaster is trying to sabotage the postal system to disenfranchise voters in the upcoming election. Notices that were sent before he was sworn in meant to inform election officials to factor in normal postal capabilities in setting their ballot deadlines are being used as evidence of this conspiracy theory. And willing media is once again happily playing along. According to Democrats, the postmaster is trying to sabotage the postal system. So that's that's uh, what prompted all this. Of course, uh, the post office seeing all of these Democrat states blanketing their uh, their states with these mail-in ballots. Let everybody know that if you're going to go down this road, you need to make sure that you uh, uh, include enough time for these ballots to get back. And that was prompted by a uh, an experiment that CBS News put together that showed that, uh, first of all, the post office is very slow in returning these ballots. And even when they do, there's a, a uh, an error rate that exceeds the uh, margin of victory in just about every one of the last four presidential elections discovered another problem missorted mail two pieces of it we got a birthday card from mike to ronnie have a sweet b day get it there's a b on top when the birthday greetings ended 12 13 we found a bigger issue 21 percent of our votes hadn't materialized after four days and the batch we'd mailed a week prior some of those were missing too so of our 100 ballots 97 arrived, which sounds pretty good, unless you consider the fact that that means three people who tried to vote by mail in our mock election were in fact disenfranchised by mail. In a close election, 3% could be pivotal, especially in what's expected to be a record year for mail-in voting. We're going to see somewhere between probably 80 and 100 million voters um, receiving their ballots. Yeah, the problem is not the Postal Service's ability to deliver these ballots if they're given enough time. The problem is the ballots themselves. We don't know where they originated from. We know that the voter rolls in this country are a a disaster. There were over one and a half million uh, voters in Los Angeles County alone that no longer were either alive or lived there any longer. But that didn't stop the Democrats when they had their chance on Saturday from demagoguing this issue. Here is one of their biggest demagogues. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I rise to support the Delivering for America Act to protect a pillar of our democracy and fortify a lifeline so many Americans count on. This bill would provide urgently needed postal service funding and bar its leaders from compromising its services during this COVID-19 crisis. We all know the motto, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. But of course, no one foresaw that any American president would willingly crowbar our mail system to sway an election. He's crowbarring our uh, uh, mail system to sway an election. And they're claiming that uh, the post office uh, doesn't have funding. Let me see if I can find uh, this clip. 
Here is Representative Steve Scalise responding to Debbie Wasserman Schultz. We talk about the money. Oh, my gosh, the post office is going to run out of money. Well, the problem is the facts decry even that. They've got a surplus of over $12 billion sitting in the bank today. And then they've got, this is the Department of Treasury, Madam Speaker, a $10 billion line of credit that they can't even access because they've got too much money in the bank right now. Imagine small businesses watching on a Saturday because they can't open. They're not even sure if they're going to be in business next week because they have no money in the bank. And they're hearing about this crisis. Congress is coming here on a Saturday. And then they find out the post office has over $12 billion in the bank. They've got access to a line of credit of $10 billion. So Nancy Pelosi, of course, recessed the House of Representatives and refused to negotiate any uh, of this COVID relief bill because she thought it benefited her party and that the Republicans would be blamed. But faced with an opportunity for a brand new hoax that they can use to drive their voters to the polls, of course, she pulled everybody back into Washington and off the campaign trail to try to pursue this. They're, they're claiming that the president is stealing mailboxes, these blue mailboxes off of street corners, and that the new postmaster general, DeJoy, is, um, is crippling the post office by, by um, cutting overtime. The problem with that is that there is no truth to it as... DeJoy uh, testified before the Senate Homeland Security uh, Committee. Uh, we're being told that you're limiting overtime, uh, and this uh, could possibly add to backlogs. Are you are you limiting overtime, or is that being suspended right now, and people will work overtime if necessary to move the mail out efficiently every single day? Senator, I, we never eliminated overtime. That's uh, it's been not- curtailed significantly is what I understand. It has not been curtailed by me or the leadership team here. Curtailed significantly. It's gone down. It's been limited. Will you commit to seven? Since I've been here, we've spent $700 million on overtime. Overtime runs at a 13% rate before I got here, and it runs at a 13% rate now. I did not. If you have a policy, you can submit that to me. I'd appreciate it. (laughs) It's all myths and lies. The whole damn Democrat Party is just built on lies. Here's a, uh, um, a campaign ad that's being put together by one of these shadowy, uh, public, uh, political action committees attacking Trump, DeJoy and the post office of this diabolical conspiracy to steal mailboxes. When Donald Trump's big campaign donor and new postmaster general was caught sabotaging the U.S. mail, causing delays in tens of thousands of VA prescriptions every day, veterans called him out. DeJoy now says he'll back off until after the elections, but getting VA prescriptions on time isn't somehow less important to veterans after November 3rd, and that doesn't undo the damage he's already done. With tens of millions planning to vote by mail this fall, we need a postmaster we can trust to keep our post offices open, return the sorting machines to service, and put the damn mailboxes back where they belong. Put the damn mailboxes back where they belong. Of course, you know that that is an entirely made-up narrative that post office boxes are removed and relocated all the time. There was these photographs on Twitter that purported to show, you know, 
a truckload of mailboxes being removed. They were, in fact, at a refurbishing center where they would be, um, you know, cleaned and repowder coated. It's all a giant lie. Everything that the Democrat Party is based on these days is based on disinformation and lies. Over the weekend, Richard Spencer, a avowed uh, a, a, a Nazi and, and uh, white nationalist, uh, endorsed Joe Biden. Now, why hasn't the mainstream media mobilized and quickly run to Joe Biden and, uh, and all the Democrats in Congress to require them to disavow Richard Spencer's endorsement? Of course, they would do it, but the whole idea is you tie these people to uh, uh, you know, uh, two unpopular people like uh, David Duke by forcing them to renounce. And of course, they're doing the same thing on the QAnon conspiracy theory now that we're going to talk more about on tomorrow's show after I am able to wrap my mind around it. The Republicans are going to have their convention this week, and we're going to report from that. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, under the heading is There's Nothing New Under the Sun, I found this story in the Washington Post that uh, was pretty interesting. I don't subscribe or pay any money to the Washington Post, but I do monitor their headlines to see what that propaganda mill is up to. But this is a story by Dustin Waters that appeared uh, showing that the the Democrats' use of mail-in ballots to, to pursue their voting fraud schemes are, are nothing new. In uh, 1864, of course, Abraham Lincoln was running for re-election. There was strong sentiment in the North to end the Civil War and uh, allow the southern states to to form the Confederacy uh, so that the bloodshed would stop. And this is a story about a man named Orville Wood traveling to Baltimore in the fall of 1864. Orville Wood had no way of knowing he would soon uncover the most elaborate election conspiracy in American history. Wood, uh, Wood was a merchant from Clinton County in the most northeastern corner of New York and was a supporter of President Abraham Lincoln. He was tasked with visiting troops from his hometown to look after the local ticket. New York legislators had only established the state's mail-in voting system in April with the intent of in- ensuring the vote for white troops battling the Confederacy. 
The result of the 1864 elections would heavily affect the outcome of the war. Lincoln and his supporters in the National Union Party sought to continue the war and defeat the Confederacy outright. Meanwhile, the anti-war Democrats, people forget that, you know, the North had its share of uh, Democrats and they were anti-war. They were also referred to as copperheads, looked for an immediate compromise with the Confederate leaders and the end of the abolition movement. Troops from New York were allowed to authorize individuals back home to cast a vote on their behalf. Along with their mail-in ballots, troops would assign their power of attorney on slips that required four signatures. The voters, the person authorized as the recipient, a witness to a signed affidavit, and a fellow officer. These documents would be sealed in an envelope and shipped back home and counted in the final vote. This was the process that Orville Wood intended to uphold, he would later testify in court, but quickly found out what a challenge that would be. Wood arrived at Fort McHenry in Baltimore to visit the 91st New York Regiment, and there an Army captain suggested that there had been some checker playing when it came to the gathering of the soldiers' mail-in ballots. These suspicions of fraud were echoed when Wood visited wounded men at the Newton University Hospital. The rumor of wrongdoing led Wood to the office of Moses Ferry in Baltimore. Ferry had been selected by New York Governor Horatio Seymour to help oversee the voting process for New York's enlisted men. Seymour had vetoed the initial bill to establish mail-in voting and would go on to run against Ulysses S. Grant in 1864. Wood masked his suspicions as he entered Ferry's office, portraying himself as a strong supporter of Lincoln, of Lincoln's opponent, George McClellan. This was enough to gain Ferry's trust, he later testified. Ferry told Wood that the votes from the New York's 91st Regiment had already been tallied, 400 for McClellan and just 11 for Lincoln. Wood returned to the office later and, following Ferry's instructions, began forging signatures of the 16th New York Cavalry. Meanwhile, a clerk sat across the room signing ballots from the roster of names Wood had brought with him from home. Wood asked the pers- uh, asked to personally deliver the fraudulent ballots, but Ferry said that they would have to final uh, to receive final approval from his colleague in Washington, Edward Donahoe. Donahoe soon arrived in Baltimore and met with Wood, and it was revealed that during this conversation that around 20 co-conspirators were already at work in D.C. to aid the plot to deliver votes to McClellan. The following day, Wood watched as Donahoe and his crew formed a sort of assembly line, passing blank papers along to one another to be signed with the names of active enlisted men, wounded officers, and dead soldiers, and soldiers that never existed. In addition to the operations in D.C. and Baltimore, the scheme extended back to New York. Donahoe had received rosters of soldiers from military officials and members of law enforcement. A letter from General J.A. Farrell read, Enclosed in this package you will find tickets, also a list of names of actual residents of Columbia County, now members of the 128th Regiment. My best wishes for your success. A letter from Albany Sheriff H. Cromdell offered to send additional men to Baltimore to assist. The letter read, all is well here, and we are confident of your complete success. 
it is unnecessary to say here that you have the entire confidence. We have entire confidence in your skill in abetting and hope you like our help. Also delivered to Ferry's office was a list of around 400 names belonging to sick and wounded soldiers under treatment at a nearby hospital. In reference to the roster, Ferry joked, dead or alive, they all had cast a good vote. Ferry Donahue and his fellow conspirators found humor in their work. One accomplice mocked the, out, uh, the outcry he expected from abolitionist newspapers following the corruption of the election. The men bragged about their past success in fixing local elections back home. Together, the men had shipped crates of fraudulent votes back to New York, but their scheme was over. Wood reported the operation to authorities. Ferry's office was searched, and on the morning of October 27, 1864, less than two weeks before the election, he and Donahue stood trial before a military commission. Ferry offered a full confession the same day, offering the names of the other officers involved with the scheme. Donahue, however, proved more of a challenge. Following the first day of trial, a reporter for the New York Times wrote, The honest electors of the state of New York have escaped an extensive and fearful fraud, a fraud in keeping with the proclivities of the party in whose behalf it was initiated but one that, if unexposed, might have subverted the honest will of the people and left the state and nation at the mercy of those who would make peace with the rebellion. Arrests in New York and Washington continued to mount as Donahue's uh, return to trial. Following Wood's damning testimony and supporting evidence, Donahue begged for mercy from the court. He was a young man newly married and with no previous record. He visibly wilted as he realized the weight of his current situation, no longer expressing the defiance which he had entered into the proceedings with. The judge advocate had trusted the tribunal, saying that Donahue had engaged in one of the most gigantic frauds ever attempted in America, a fraud which, if it had been successful, would have produced disruptions for our entire country, and our war for the preservation of the Union will, would be practically at an end and futile. In the months following Lincoln's victory, he won 221 electoral votes compared to McClellan's just 21. Anti-abolitionist newspapers attacked his legitimacy, calling the trial another aspect of a conspiracy conducted by the president to ensure his election. The commission that oversaw Ferry and Donahue's trial recommended life in prison for the two men who sought to corrupt the election. The president, who would be soon slain, approved. So it appears these these mail-in ballots are nothing new, and the Democrats' attempts to hijack them are nothing new either. They go all the way back to the Civil War. So, as expected and right on cue, Antifa and Black Lives Matter demonstrators uh, took to the streets of Charlotte, North Carolina, site of the first night of tonight's GOP convention, and they did what they do. They uh, started attacking police officers and rioting. Um, This is going to be an ongoing theme throughout this convention. I'm not really sure that it serves their cause if they even understand what their cause is. Because uh, the media have been doing their best to ignore and downplay and minimize all of the violence going on, the, the riots going on in the cities across this country. But now that they're going to be right outside the convention hall, uh, 
where you would think that all the network uh, coverage was going on, they're, they're going to have a hard time ignoring it. And we're going to take a look at the uh, Republicans convention lineup. It's uh, it's really got some heavy hitters and some very thought provoking speakers scheduled. We'll take a look at that right after this message. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So the GOP convention begins tonight in Charlotte, North Carolina. Live coverage, network coverage starts at 9 p.m. And uh, the convention is going to be open tonight by Tim Scott, the Republican senator from South Carolina, who I expect is going to be part of this ongoing effort by this president to pry uh, the black voting bloc away from the Democrats' plantation. Tim Scott's going to highlight the great uh, work this president has done empowering um, black Americans for uh, prosperity and, and wage growth. And I'm sure he's going to highlight the, um, the, the uh, enterprise zones that Tim Scott put together for the president and signed into law that's resulted in uh, the, the creation of more black businesses than at any time in our history. Tim Scott's going to be followed by Republican whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana. And then Matt Getz and Jim Jordan are going to come on. So that's going to be a, a strong um, inning for the Republicans right there. Those those guys are great speakers. And then former South Carolina and uh, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley is going to come up. And I suppose she's going to try to appeal to the establishment arm of the Republican Party, the country club uh, coalition <laughs> followed by Ronna McDaniel, the, the chair of the RNC. They're going to bring Vernon Jones, a state rep from Georgia up. He's a Democrat, of course. And, uh, he's been a strong supporter acknowledging, uh, what a good record, uh, that this president has had delivering for black voters, Amy Johnson Ford, not who, sure who she is. Maybe she's, a uh, a relative of the former president, Kimberly Guilfoy, Natalie Harp, Charlie Kirk, Kim Clack, Mark and Patricia McCloskey, of course, they're the homeowners in St. Louis who uh, defended their homes from Black Lives Matter protesters when they burst into their property, tore down a gate, and were threatening the McCloskeys. Sean Parnell, uh, name's familiar, I don't can't recall right now. Andrew Pollock. Andrew Pollock was uh, his father was father of Meadow Pollock, who of course was murdered by Dominic Cruz at uh, Parkland High School down here in Florida. I'm sure he's going to highlight the the schemes that the Democrats put together uh, to keep uh, criminals inside our school system, and then it'll be Donald Trump Jr. and Tanya Warnes. Not sure who she is. 
Tuesday night will be opened by Melania Trump, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and then Senator Rand Paul. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who foolishly signed a, uh, a law that uh, restored voting rights to um, the felons. Florida Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi, she's great. Uh, looking for names I recognize here. Nicholas Sandman's going to come up and highlight the the um, the hate from the left directed by any uh, against anybody who is uh, white and uh, and doesn't immediately bow before the uh, the the woke mob. Eric Trump and Tiffany Trump will close out Tuesday evening. That's going to be good. Tiffany has uh, taken a lot of undeserved abuse from the media. Wednesday's program will be opened by the vice president and the second lady, Mike and Karen Pence. Then it'll be Marsha Blackburn, or Journey, Joni Ernst, Governor Christy Noem. That's a strong lineup right there. Then we're going to get Dan Crenshaw. I know a lot of people have soured on Dan Crenshaw. I think he is a work in project or work in process and uh, is going to be one of our future stars in this party. Elise Stefanik, she was the member of the House Judiciary Committee that uh, made a fool out of Jerry Nadler during the impeachment hearings. No, uh, she was a member of the Intelligence Committee that made a, a fool out of, um, of pencil neck Adam Schiff. Lee Zeldin, Richard Grinnell, that's going to be a great lineup. Kellyanne Conway is going to speak. She, of course, has stepped away from her job at the White House in order to try to soothe the the angsty persecution complex of her daughter. Jack Brewer's sis, uh, sister, Dee Dee Byrne, she's going to talk about uh, Joe Biden's expressed intention to make uh, the, the sisters of the poor pay for abortions. Mike Mikhail Burgess Owen, that's going to be good. And then Laura Trump will close out Wednesday evening. And of course, uh, we're, he- we're, we're being told that we're going to hear from Donald Trump at the 10 p.m. hour each night of this convention. And then on the fourth and final night, uh, the president will open up the convention, followed by Ben Carson, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> That's going to be a scintillating speech. Actually, Mitch is a very effective speaker. He's kind of slow. Tom Cotton, Kevin McCarthy, Jeff Van Drew, the Democrat from New Jersey that switched parties during the impeachment fiasco. Ivanka Trump, interesting, former wife of the president's going to speak. I hope she sticks to the script. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani, Franklin Graham. That's a big get. Alice Johnson's going to thank the president for the reforms that uh, the president did to, uh, to Joe Biden's incarceration act. Carl and Marsha Mueller. Hmm. That's an interesting name to be on the lineup. Not sure who they are though. So I think it's going to be quite a contrast between the uh, the Black Lives Matter Democrat convention that was uh, f- focused almost solely on these, uh, you know, uh, vilifying uh, the country and 
and uh, basically uh, stating this. I, I started to say implied threat, but it really hasn't been that implied. It's been kind of uh, overt that if this country reelects Donald Trump, the Democrats are going to make uh, it even worse. They're their line was, don't think that it can't get any worse. And, of course, since they've been responsible for almost all the upheaval in this country, that is uh, most definitely an applied threat. Let's take a look at some of these myths, these hoaxes that the Democrats have put together uh, with this uh, mailbox hoax. The number one is that the Postal Service is removing sorting machines to to sabotage delivery of the mail. The truth of the matter is the the volume of mail handled by the U.S. Post Office in the last couple of decades has plunged because of email, of course, and the Postal Service is consolidating operations in, in order to reduce costs. Uh, there's supposed to be a self-funding operation, but for the longest time, the federal government has had to step in to bail them out, which is a direct subsidy to Amazon, of course, who is paying below market rates for the delivery of their packages. The number two myth and the one that they love the most is the Postal Service is removing collection uh, boxes to block mail-in ballots. Reality is the Postal Service has more than 141,000 of these blue collection boxes on street corners and shopping centers across this country. And these boxes are moved regularly from low demand to high demand areas to maximize efficiency. And a lot of these photos that have been appearing on on uh, social media is just uh, showing them moving boxes or uh, returning them to service centers to be repainted. They uh, they claim that the Postal Service is locking collection boxes to prevent them from being used in the election. The reality these uh, these caps that these these uh, photographs show are in areas where uh, mail theft is rampant and employees have placed caps after their final pickup of the day uh, and, and and then they remove them in the morning so that the box won't be subject to, uh, to theft at night. Myth number four, the Postal Service could go bankrupt before the collection, before the election without a $25 billion bailout. In the first half, we showed that, as a matter of fact, the Postal Service is sitting on uh, $12 billion in the bank, which is more than enough to make it through the election season. And even if they did have a problem, they've got a line of credit that would be available to them for another $10 billion. The Postal Service plans to triple postage rates on mail-in ballots. Total lie. But it's out there being circulated. They're saying that the Postal Service uh, delivery changes are an illegal sabotage by this new Postmaster General DeJoy. DeJoy only assumed the Postmaster's job in June and was selected because he was the CEO of a a logistics company called New Breed, and he is bringing uh, common sense private reforms to the Postal Service. Myth number seven, the Postal Service needs more money to process mail-in ballots. The Postal Service handles about 2.75 billion items per week. And these mail-in ballots will 
represent at most a few percentage points of the total volume this fall. So they're perfectly able to handle uh, these ballots. Of course, the vulnerability is not in the delivery of the ballot. It is in the falsification of the ballots. Myth number 10, the Postal Service loses money only because of unfair funding requirements. No, the post office is losing money because of email and they're providing services to Amazon in an attempt to try to minimize their loss instead of uh, resizing to, to fit their current load and charging Amazon market rates. So the woke mob has come for the National Hockey League. <laughs> I have to make a confession here. I have been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know that after uh, some of the uh, players took a knee prior to the National Anthem, that I, I said that I was going to write them off as I already had written off the NBA and the, uh, the um, NFL and Major League Baseball. But the truth is, uh, that was just a few players during one instance, so I'm willing to let bygones be bygones because I hate the thought of messing the Stanley Cup uh, championships. But uh, one of their announcers, actually an NBC News announcer named Mike Milbury, he's a former player and coach, he's he's a great commentator, but he made the mistake of uh, talking about... um, the lack of distractions because of women inside the bubble. And of course, you know, the bubble is uh, up in Toronto. It's, uh, it's where, uh, the players are, uh, cloistered and not allowed to go out so that they can get through these playoffs without, uh, a, a threat of a COVID infection striking any, any of these young, healthy, uh, players. But Mike Bilberry observed that, that the the play inside the bubble during these playoffs has been very good. And he, he uh, commented that that might be because of the lack of distraction by women inside the bubble. Whoa, no, you would have thought that the, the clouds had come falling out of the sky. I mean, the national hockey league wrote a, a statement to NBC, the national hockey league condemns the insensitive and insulting comment that Mike Milbury made during last night's broadcast. And we have communicated our feelings to NBC. The comment did not reflect the NHL's values and commitment to making our game more inclusive and welcoming to all. What, what was insulting about that? Are we not supposed to notice that men are distracted by women? Of course they are. Hell, that's the whole point of, of women to a large degree is to distract men. What do you think that the plunging necklines are about or high heel shoes or mini skirts? <laughs> I mean, they're, that's what, that's what they're trying to do is distract men. And of course, men are less distracted when there aren't beautiful women around. This is, this is no secret. <laughs> But they have uh, forced Mike Milbury now to step down from the microphone, and he's not going to be allowed to to broadcast any of these uh, the rest of these Stanley Cup playoffs. And I assume that they will probably banish him from the job, and that'll be the end of his career. 
Now, over at the NBA, you got players uh, running around using racial slurs against white players and, uh, and kowtowing to the Chinese Communist Party. No problem over there. But let Mike Milbury make a, an, an innocent joke about the lack of distraction to the, to the hockey players from women inside the bubble and all hell breaks loose. It's pretty amazing. Here's a story out of Tennessee that sort of illustrates uh, um, something that's been going on with these virtual classrooms. The teachers are refusing to return to, uh, to full-time work, and so a lot of districts are putting together virtual uh, learning for, for students who are almost at zero risk from, from a COVID infection. But the school district in Tennessee is demanding that parents sign a form agreeing not to monitor their children's virtual classrooms because they don't want the parents to know what goes on in the class. They say it's for uh, that non-student observers could hear confidential information. Well, you're allowed to go into any classroom across this country as a parent and, uh, and see what goes on. But they don't want the easy access of looking over your, your uh, student's shoulder to see what actually goes on in these classrooms when the, when the uh, teachers aren't aware. And, of course, uh, a lot of this is going to be because a lot of the indoctrination that goes on in our country's classrooms by these, um, these uh, unionized teachers that uh, have adopted this far-left cultural Marxist agenda is entirely at odds in opposition to what their parents want their kids to learn. It's not only happening in Tennessee. They're doing this in a lot of uh, classrooms across this country, making sure that the parents aren't allowed to see what goes on. Well, tomorrow we'll have uh, coverage from the first night of the GOP convention in Charlotte. I expect that that's going to include a fair measure of rioting as Antifa and Black Lives Matter take to the streets in Charlotte. I hope the country that hasn't been paying attention gets a good look at it. And that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, Keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home.